Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. AFL is here again tonight at Optus Stadium. Bizarre world we're in. A Monday night fixture followed by a Thursday night fixture. It goes ahead under COVID uh, concepts of the AFL and Optus Stadium. So if you are coming, make sure you're aware of the timings of everything. Follow all the staff here at Optus Stadium, Geelong and Fremantle, and you'll hear the action on AFL Nation. You'll also hear it on the SEN Stadium call. If you're coming to the ground, make sure you download the SEN app, and then about 20 minutes prior to the bounce at six pa- 10 past 6, you'll hear uninterrupted uh, using the Wi-Fi, of course, here at the stadium, and you won't have any buffering problems and you'll have everything provided for you. Hey, big show coming up, really big show, and our man is back, of course, had a personal um, uh, gathering yesterday, of course, Chris Clafunas, our special K producer. He joins us, thanks to Jimmy Williams for his work yesterday, and Alex, who's pushing the buttons for us, he also had a moment yesterday. He started... And then he left. <laughs> had to go and get tested because he oh. was at the uh, MCG. The G. He was at the G on the second level, uh, Geelong and Carlton. And uh, the good news is he's um, he's negative. That's very good news. Glad to hear it. Mm. It was an easy swab for them too. Yeah. <laughs> Got a big nose. Straight up there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's back. He's up and about as well. Um, good morning. Good morning, Goss. How was your day yesterday? Uh, it was, it was nice. It was lovely. Yeah. My, my, yeah, yeah. My grandma passed away, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, it was a beautiful service and, um, yeah, the whole family was there and sent her off in the right way. So yeah, it was, it was lovely. Good on you. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Big show we've got coming up. What have we got coming up? Jai Richardson. I'm really looking for, I've got a massive man crush on Jai Richardson. <laughs> Ever since he kind of burst onto the scene for, uh, for WA, I think he'd probably be probably before he was playing for the Scorchers, I was like, oh, this kid, is he's got something. He just um, is, as an excitement machine, just bowls like an absolute beast. So looking forward to uh, catching up with Jai. BBL fixtures, of course, came out yesterday. So he'll be lining up for the Perth Scorchers. There are a few test aspirations possibly for him coming up uh, in this summer. So, yeah, looking forward to Jai as well a little bit later on. And speaking of cricket, I can give you an update too from Game 4 of the T20 series in the Windies. Australia made 6 for 189. Mitch Marsh... Again, continuing on his wonderful work uh, with the bat. Of course, he uh, he piled on 75. Now, the West Indies, uh, so they made six for 189. The West Indies, um, they've started strongly. Mm. Uh, seven overs, mm. they're two for 86. <laughs> <laughs> Lendl Simmons, 50 off 28, nine fours and a six. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Lewis made 31, 14 balls, four fours and two sixes. And just out, Chris Gale caught Berendorf, bowled Mitch Marsh for one. Hey. So that's good. Have a listen to some of these bowling figures. Mitchell Stark, two overs, none for 20. Riley Meredith, two overs, none for 25. Mm. Jason Berendorf, one over, none for 11. That's not bad. Mm. Zampa, not bad. One over, one for six. Mm. Mitch Marsh, two balls, one for one. Mm. Dan Christian, one over, None for 23. <laughs> oh, Dan. <laughs> two fours, two sixes. Um, and I, I think he had one dot ball in that time as well. Bowled two wides nice. as well. It was a long over. We'll keep you posted. It means nothing. It means something, for, I suppose, for Australia. They're just trying to get some form. And that lends us to the conversation we're about to have with Joe Richardson yeah. in this first half hour. What else we got? Joe Bridie, the Dockers GM. Friend of the show now. 
I can say, I reckon. He pops up on Sporting Goss and Gillian Goss from time to time. So, obviously, the big game tonight, as you mentioned, here at SEN, uh, here at Optus Stadium, uh, where SEN's uh, studios are. So, mm. Joe will be chatting about that. Only one change for the Dockers, I believe, uh, for tonight. So Ethan uh, Hughes Uzi. in for uh, Brandon Walker, who's being managed. Yes. Hughes got injured in, what, round seven. He was in pretty good nick before that. Good player. So, uh, hopefully, he can find form. Immediately coming back into the side. Riley Morgan, the life of Riley, some winners, some tips. Yeah, for Belmont. He's also thrown a couple out for Northern, so get your pen and paper ready. And always gamble responsibly. 100%. And Thomas Randall, we're going to try and catch up with him. Tommy's busy this morning, but Silverstone. The F1's uh, the Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix, of course, coming up this Sunday. See, this is my bucket list thing. Yeah. My daughter, uh, Abby, is to do... Every Grand Prix? No. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) The Irish Open, the Scottish Open... And the Open, mm. which is the British Open, was mm. called the British Open, it's now just called the Open okay. Championship, and the Grand Prix at Silverstone in that in that month. Little, little chunk, yeah. Mm. yeah. And my wife and other daughter, who have no interest in the golf and the Grand Prix, they can go and shop. <laughs> like, so they'll still be coming along, but they can Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. That, uh, my wife uh, spent a lot of time living in, in France, in Lyon. Okay. And so she wants to do that part. She's the French translator. Correct. Interpreter. Yep. Interpreter. Yeah. So uh, she can go and do that mm. while we go and do the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can check out Lewis Hamilton winning again. Although, actually, you're right. No. Stappen is no, the man It's to all watch. changing now. Yeah, it is. Next year's going to even be wetter. The story about um, Lando Norris at the soccer. So got his watch nicked. Didn't just get but, it nicked. But how, how did it happen? Okay. So Lando Norris, who's, for those who don't know, drives for McLaren, he's Daniel Ricciardo's teammate. teammate. English superstar. They love him. Mm. Young. Young guy. Not very big. Had been at the football Euro, had left, had gone to his car, which is a McLaren, yeah. parked at the car, was about to get in, got grabbed by one gentleman, got pinned down while the other ripped off his McLaren watch valued at $75,000. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, being out of action yesterday, I missed uh, the, the details of that story. Mm. Just saw the headline. Incredible, really. That's, that's like happening outrageous. to Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. That's like happening that Daniel Ricciardo goes to um, an AFL grand final, cheering for the Eagles, calling, well, I shouldn't have said Collingwood, Richmond win, Yeah, and a Richmond supporter, uh, sorry, Eagles win, someone grabs, um, you know, disappointed, some Eagles supporter grabs uh, Lando Norris, yeah. pins him down, and uh, Daniel Ricciardo rips his watch Disgusting. off. Disgusting. Outrageous. Terrible. Really, really bad. You know, apparently he was interviewed by the police and they said, what time did it happen? He said, that's not a very good, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a very, there's boom tish. There's a boom tish, Alex. Boom tish, Alex. Alex. Right, that's classic Hello. stuff. Get it? What time did it happen? Very good. They stole his watch. Not sure. How yeah. would I know? How would I know? That's unfortunate. That does remind me, just quickly, do you remember the time, I think it was uh, last year or the year before, two Arsenal players got mugged there. They yeah. got their car hijacked. Mesut Ozil and uh, Sayed Kalasinac. Kalasinac, the left back, just fought them off. Yeah. <laughs> These guys were trying to hijack them. Yeah. He's running after them. And Lando, unfortunately, didn't have uh, someone nah, to back him up. No, he didn't. Um, but I find that bizarre that he would just walk down the street. Yeah. Lando Norris, isn't it? Yeah. He'd be pretty shaken. He's I would have yeah. He's only a boy. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I say that far too much. I've written it on the board over there. Look, I still yeah. got to get that fixed. Absolutely, absolutely. And can I ask you, uh, <laughs> morning gossip is from Roy, of course, um, in Templestowe, listening on the app. Too early for always on Derby. Hashtag never too early. Eagles seventy six <laughs> defeated by the Dockers ninety. A nicknap for best on ground. Fitting tribute two hundred. Congratulations to the one of the greats of our club right now. So, throws so thrilled to have a number nine and sign on the back of a long sleeve jumper. Ha ha. Correct. 
Good. We had Georgie on yesterday. We had a discussion about long sleeve jumpers and what should be the cut. Oh, adults wearing footy jumpers. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so we had it. And I said, if you're over 35, you, you can't wear a footy jumper if it's short sleeve in public. Absolutely. You can wear it. Over the top of something? Can you wear it? Can you wear like a long sleeve or a shirt and Correct. wear it over the top? Correct. Yeah. I'll, Got to have I'll a long that. sleeve. You, uh, no one wants to see man hair, man arms. Yeah, you can't be wearing it's it. It's a bad look. It's a 30, and I've given it the 35 year cutoff. 35 is generous, I reckon. Uh, I reckon 30. Really? Yeah. Georgie, because um, she wore the old retro Adelaide Crows woolen one oh, yeah, nice. the other night, and it looked great. She mm. looked great, and I thought. And yeah, and this is not sexist. This is a comment. Yeah. Women just look better in footy jumpers, especially the long sleeve, than blokes do. Hundred percent. And women pull it off because it's actually just a little fashion statement. Yeah, blokes just wear it because they're nuffies. Yeah, they look pathetic. They look stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's more like long sleeve jumpers. Nothing better than a long sleeve, by the way. I love a long sleeve. Do you? I love it. Can't get enough of it. A long well, a footy jumper. Yep. If players, if. Oh, on the field. On the field, on the oh, field, on the field. talking about walking down the street. No, no, don't, don't care about that. Don't wear <laughs> footy jumpers in general, please. No. Good call. So, you like long sleeve footy jumpers. Well, a man had 36 or 38 possessions on Monday night against West Coast was Jaden Stevenson. Stay mm. with me on this. Okay. So, Jaden Stevenson, best on ground, got 10 votes in the coaches' votes. Collingwood was a rising star, was going to be the next big thing, fell off the radar, couldn't get a game, was played in the wrong position, came back, played midfield, was outstanding. Chopped up. Oh, unreal. He Killed was. me in my fantasy matchup. I was Did, devastated. Well, he's a dope. Yeah, okay. He's an absolute <laughs> dope. Why? What's he done? Well, you know, with, with all the dramas that's been going on, where the AFL have made a direction to all the players in hubs and going and, and family and members and the pushback, don't, don't pot hubs and hub life and COVID and just just don't buy into it. Mm. Don't be negative because the government will, will blow up. Yeah. And they will. And we know what's going on in Victoria. In fact, in three minutes' time, Dan Andrews is speaking and the health minister over there in Victoria about the latest in Melbourne. There's been 90-odd more cases today in New South Wales. Mm. Teams are exiting Victoria now and the Giants and Sydney and Bulldogs and North Melbourne and Essendon. They're all going yeah. to Queensland to play their games this weekend. Jaden Stevenson, on I think it was live Insta, was asking for on Insta was asking for questions from the punters, non-football related. Sure. Someone asked about COVID. Mm. Have a listen to this for a naive dodo response. Okay, pretty topical. Some people might not like this answer, but I think the media overplays it a lot. Um, if there's no media, then I don't know if COVID's such a big thing. Oh. Um, it's just my opinion. I don't want any replies. You want any replies? <laughs> well, you know what? Me. He got a reply, and I reckon he got one from the highest authority in the <laughs> in the land. He said, "Shut up, idiot! <laughs> You're a peanut." He's come out and since apologised. He deleted that. He's since come out um, and for his ill-informed social media comments about COVID. Uh, he came out with a, a, an apology. He says, I apologise for my comments regarding the COVID situation. I understand that they were ill-informed and that there are people going through hardship because of this pandemic. I'm sincerely sorry for any angst I've caused with my comments um, and uh, endeavoured to further educate myself on the topic. Well, mate, it hasn't just floated in off another planet in the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So North Melbourne this afternoon are making a hasty exit out of Victoria. Mm. He should be fined. He should be fined by the AFL because that is naive. 
the Australia is now on, and we're talking about New South Wales, and we're talking about Victoria. Um, even our man Alex Gilly is now caught up in it. Yeah, of course. Of course, he went across. And I wouldn't have, if I was Gilly, and I'm not going to speak out at all, I wouldn't have taken the risk. But he did. Still had some great times. Gilly's very understated. He goes, too bad. I've got to come back. I've got to do 14 days quarantine. Yeah. You know, I'll get my maid, my we'll gardener, right. and everything to look up. And anyone, <laughs> my driver, to do all the stuff, all the heavy lifting. Yeah. But Jaden Stevenson to come out and say that. Dill. Complete. And he should be fine for, for comments detrimental to the to the AFL mm. because if they want to put out a directive, don't say anything stupid or don't be don't so don't be negative in hub life and put that out to family, friends, wives, girlfriends, staff members, corporates, players, whatever. And he says that the day that they come out and say don't do something, and then he comes out and it that's his opinion. Mate, shut up. You're representing not just your club, but the AFL as a Correct. whole. Correct. Putting but this on social media. fighting for survival in a COVID-affected world that we are in right now in Australia? And I get the frustration. I'm not affected by it because I don't have family trying to bounce in and out of the state by state and borders. And I get it. I don't have weddings, parties, bar, mitfers, bar mitzvahs, whatever going on right now. Yeah. But what I do have is concern for those who do. And to be so stupid to make a comment like that, Anyway, oh, yeah, but play footy. He's only just started. He just played a decent game of footy. He should have just shut his mouth. And, you know, and 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 for him to say, don't at me, don't reply to me, is a firm guy. He knew what he was saying. Yeah. It wasn't naive. It's not naive. That's the just, part that got me. It's just dumb. Yeah. That was his stance. And that remains his stance. Because you can't say, don't, re- don't reply to me. Oh, and it's a media beat up. Mate, the media is reporting what is going on. We've seen how it affects people. We've seen how much it affects the AFL. The guys who, who pay you a crust. Exactly right. It, 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 imagine if the, so the media, the AFL broadcasters, radio, radio, who pay for rights to do it. They don't, yeah. get, they don't do it for love. No. It's money to be a rights holder. The TV broadcasters, who the change to them, to have to... Work out how do we as broadcasters get out of Melbourne, get cameras available in Queensland. The amount of effort that goes into broadcasting, it, it is so ill-informed. And it's, it was, oh, it's just a young guy. He deserves to be punished. And North Melbourne, possibly, hmm. because that clearly is a lack of education. And, 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 I, and I know they, there's no doubt they would have come out and said, hey, you better hurry up quick sticks and get an apology out there. Quick, smart, but I, I don't think, and I, I I think he should make a donation. Yeah, I uh, think he should be fined, or the club should be fined. I think most people would uh, would agree with you on that. Maybe but, they will, maybe they won't. They should get in touch though. Thirteen, twelve, fifty-five, or zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. If you want to text us, we've got no time for anything else today. That has been sporting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me take a look at the cricket. Two for ninety-seven. In the 11th over the West Indies, so going at 9.7 runs and over. They do require the similar. They've got 93 runs to get off 58 balls. Australia made six for 189. And Mitch Marsh was the best with the bat for Australia. He made 75 off 44 balls. Um, he... It's always good to see Mitch doing well. Well, he's had a Bloody really great it. series. Yeah. So his strike rate was 170. 
Aaron Finch, the skipper, made 53, and down the bottom, Christian made 22. Um, so there you go. Uh, we're going to get a breakaway. We're going to come back. Nick Natanui spoke yesterday. We're going to hear from him a little later. Jack Revolt spoke on Waitley this morning about game 300. Where does he stand in your world? Don't forget, please get in touch with us. 13 12 55 is the open line. Or text 0487. 736 736. Okay, pretty topical. Some people might not like this answer, but I think the media overplays it a lot. Um, if there's no media, then I don't know if COVID's such a big thing. Um, <laughs> it's just my opinion. I don't want any replies. Doesn't want any replies. Well, he got one. He got one to the ad to hurry up. Uh, I think he's been told by the North Melbourne Football Club and possibly the AFL to apologise. He's come out and said it. So, yeah, it's the media's fault. Now, Big Brian from Bali has texted in. Good on you, Big Brian. Thank you very much. 0487 736 736. Settle down, Goss. It's not a communist state. It's his opinion and he's entitled to it right or wrong. And, yes, I've had COVID as a 50-year-old. Cancel culture sucks. Yeah. Tell that to the people who are currently in ICU and on ventilators in New South Wales and, and family who can't get in and out of New South Wales and get back to WA or in Victoria now have to come back to WA and have had nothing to do, weren't even in a tier one site, nowhere near it. Yep, blame the media for COVID. Very simple. But anyway, if you agree with uh, the big fella from Bali, and I love it, and I love his um, response and he's entitled to it, as he says, entitled to an opinion, but it's just naive to think that COVID doesn't exist and the world is not affected by it. It's not just a cold. I'm sorry, it's not just a cold. And I think if you speak to people, and there is the silent minority <laughs> who are very loud, who continually pay out on Mark McGowan, Premier McGowan, for shutting down when there's a live case around somewhere or someone tests positive. And they have to do the contract tracing, contact tracing to uh, find out if, where, why, and how it's gone. The reason why, and people go, oh, well, it must have been negative. It didn't spread it. No, it's because for the best part, we were wearing masks and everything we were doing was right. And if you had a blueprint, I'm sorry, I don't agree with people to think that we should just get on with the world because New South Wales is now in a lockdown and has got at least another two weeks to go. Victoria is now in a stage of lockdown. And if you're in Victoria and want to get back to WA and have had nowhere, not even close, you've been in the mountains skiing, you've got to come back and do 14 days of self-isolation, spare me. Spare me if you think COVID doesn't exist and spare me if you think it's going to go away anytime soon. Have your opinion. Keep it to yourself. Nick Natanui. Nick Natanui. Uh, spoke yesterday, Game 200. Had a number of issues to say about the back half of his career, the first half, coming through adversity, knee reconstructions, injury, expectation, and what the Eagles can expect for the rest of the year. Here's the best of Nick that coming up to the news at 10.30. What's the move in the change room? Yeah, there's a probably mixed emotions. Like there's um, you know, a bit of sadness, I guess, with our performances the last probably month or so. And... Um, little bit of optimism as well. I think the guys know what we need to do and there are little glimpses of that on the weekend, um, albeit we didn't get the result, but we know what we need to do and uh, the guys are just, I think, sticking together. We, we're all in it together. We know how hard footy gets at times and in particular when you're losing. So for us, it's just about being galvanised and, and getting through this little period together. 
as a leader, do you feel like you can help turn this around? And what is the ceiling for this group this season? Yeah, 100%. I think it, um, a lot of the onus comes back on our leaders, a lot of our senior players. Um, you know, the few of us guys are probably aren't playing to our full potential at the moment. And uh, we know we can get better and what we need to do to get better. And, you know, that'll come. But like you said, there's only a few weeks to go. So we... We need to get it right as, as soon as we can. We've got some big games coming up. And, uh, yeah, for us, it's more about getting it done on the training track, keeping everyone's spirits, um, you know, pretty high at the footy club. It gets, like I said, it gets hard at times, but this place is our sanctuary, so we need to make it an enjoyable place to still come to work. You're really shocked about how it's turned throughout the year. Like, it looked so good after Richmond, and then it just got back. That picture in the, in the eyes of the wall. Yeah, I think the guys are pretty good at um, keeping a level head on, you know, our wins and losses. Like, it's more about the brand of footy we play. So uh, I think there was a lot of excitement around the, you know, the Carlton game in particular with, with some of the younger guys that came in to fill the spaces for the older guys. But, um, yeah, the Richmond game, you probably look back now, and it, um, albeit beating one of the better teams that and have been around the last few years, probably you look back at it now and go, um, was it as significant as what people made it out to be on the outer? Um, I know for us it was a good feeling to get the win and we were excited, but we didn't delve too far into it. We, we moved on pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I think we just need to bring back that winning culture, but it all comes and stems from our, our training good habits at the start. How about your two group? Nick, do you feel like... Have you tried anything to, to try and get some chemistry back in there and, and get things clicking a bit? Yeah, it's chopped and changed um, this year a few times. I think last year we had the same thing where um, a few of our senior guys were, were injured and um, some of the younger guys had to come in. And this year it's happened again. We've, we've had a few boys come back in the, in the last few weeks and just trying to gel and, and get that right has um, been a bit, bit tougher. I think on the weekend the boys started to work a bit better together um, in the midfield group. And I think for us it's more about just driving roles. Um, not everyone's going to get their 30 touches every week or, or star every week, but um, how can you make your teammate better? So for us, that's probably the line we're going with. Does it surprise you that some people are saying, Nick, that start planning for 2022 and it's a crisis um, and you're actually in the eight? Yeah, I think as, as tough as it's been, albeit we, um, we're still in the eight, probably, um, you know, look back and look at some of the losses we've had, you probably look and think, oh, do they really deserve to be there? But um, we'll take it. We're in the eight and we're going to fight it out. I think any team would take... Yeah, we've got guys in our team who've, you know, win four or five games throughout the whole year who've just come across the West Coast. So for them, they're thinking, why are you guys so upset? Why are you so angry when you're still in the eight? And, you know, it's not doom and gloom. But I think the good thing about our footy club is it's such a successful history and we're just used to that winning culture. So when you aren't playing well and you aren't winning, the pressure's on, which is what makes this club so good. So, um, yeah, we walk towards it. We're, we're actually happy that... Everything that's coming toward us at the moment is is deserved, is warranted, and um, yeah, we're not really going to shy away from it. It's um, only way to change that is to start playing good footy and start winning. But like you said, we're still in the eight and we're still a chance. So there's there's no chance anyone's going to write it off internally. Um, you copped a bit of heat, I guess, from those watching on TV about the Goldstein incident late in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think probably. Yeah, any ruckman, um, you know, from, from junior level to senior level, you get back to the line. Um, for me, I was rolling the dice. We, you know, we knew it was a late stage in the game and we thought that um, if they'd missed, I think we're down by four points, three or four points at that stage. If they miss, we're coming straight out of the guts and I'd be there to, um, to get it going. And unfortunately, um, my man took the mark down the end and, and kicked the goal. So it doesn't look back, but um, yeah, those are the decisions you make on game day and um, you have to live with them at some times. Um, we've talked about negativity here, but it is your time of game, and you've, you've had a, 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 some tough times with the knees and, and some really good moments. Um, how do you reflect on, on reaching 
that milestone? Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty proud um, to be able to make it there. Like, I've had a lot of surgeries in my time. I've had, you know, my shoulders, my knees, um, everything in, in between. So it's, it's, it's been tough and um, it's been a long journey. And I've seen guys that I've played alongside the start of my career with or guys that have come in later get to this milestone before me. Um, but for me, it was just more about um, having an impact when I am out there. So I'm um, happy to get there. So it's good to get back to Adelaide this week. I don't think we've been there for a couple of years now. So um, good to get back over there. And um, actually, we, haven't, we actually haven't won a, a milestone game in a while. So a little bit of nerves, but I'm telling the boys, this is the one we need and um, we're desperate for a win. So I'm really excited. What are your early memories like, Nick, when you, you arrived at West Coast at Subi Oval? What do you reflect on from that part of your career that you remember fondly? Probably the change rooms, the facilities were nothing like this. We're pretty lucky in here. I tell the, it's hard to tell the young guys about how different Subiaco Oval was compared to, to this. And, and Subi wasn't you know, far behind many of the other AFL clubs. It was probably leading the way at one stage when I first got to the club. So um, for me, it was just the guys that were in the room. Like I started my career, there was probably you know, 12, 15 um, of the 06 grand final boys in there. Uh, you know, the Wirrapundas, the Hunters, the, the Selwoods, everyone was around and some of my childhood heroes. So, um, you know, to see them um, move on and then I guess play 200 like a lot of those guys did is, um, yeah, something I'll, I'll probably look back on in a few years' time and, and be pretty happy about. 26 away from 11. This is Sporting Goss on Thursday. If you're coming to the footy tonight, 10 past six bounce down, but from five on AFL Nation and all... Our other uh, SEN platforms will be doing a preview before the big game. Paul Hazelby, Peter Simmons, myself, uh, Peter Vlahos, and I think Jimmy Williams is also involved in commentary tonight as well. Good on you, Jimmy. Jimmy Williams. And uh, the rumour going around sweeping uh, courtesy of Jimmy Williams was that um, Connor West would be making his AFL debut for the West Coast Eagles. Get your pen and paper ready after 11 o'clock. Riley Morgan, Life of Riley, joins us for his uh, look ahead to the racing to, on Saturday at Belmont Park. He has a couple of winners for us at Northern. Joe Brighty from the Fremantle Dockers as well. We may be doing sport motorsport with Tommy Randall uh, and we'll be hearing from Jack Revolt about to venture into Game 300. He was a special guest on Waitley this morning. We got a breakaway. We'll come back. Our extended chat with Jai Richardson back in Perth, of course. He left the IPL early. He's preparing for a new summer of cricket. Speaking of cricket, three for 122, the West Indies, after 14 overs, chasing 190. Mitch Marsh made 75. The Windies need 68 of 36 balls. Sporting Goss on this Thursday. Don't forget tonight the Fremantle Dockers take on Geelong here at Optus Stadium. SEN, of course, have their SEN Stadium call. Download the app when you arrive and you can hear the call uninterrupted, play-by-play, no delay. Not too sure if Jai Richardson keeps his eye on the footy that much or who he barracks for, but he's about to join us right now to talk about the Big Bash season, Big BBL 11, which launched its fixtures yesterday. Jai, I appreciate your time on this uh, wet and wintry Thursday. Who do you barrack for in the footy? Uh, G'day, mate. How are you going? Um, I am actually a Fremantle supporter. I I don't follow the football as much as I used to anymore. Um, With obviously cricket taking up a lot of my time, but yeah, definitely a Frio supporter. The boys are in the eight and going okay, so finals are certainly on their cards, but a huge test Tonight, mate, you came back early from the IPL. Obviously, the IPL got moved. Uh, you came back. Uh, how are you going, mate? You you, you travelling okay? You freshened up and looking forward to the restart somewhere? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, obviously, it took an opportunity to sort of take some time and, and make sure that everything's going well um, back home. But looking forward to ramping back up again, um, especially with the fixtures coming out yesterday for the Big Bash. You know, it's really exciting. Um, 
it's one of my favourite times of year. So hopefully it can be a part of that and, and really looking forward to, to getting back on the park. Yeah, look, a condensed fixture now. December 5, January 28 is the season of the BBL 11, which means it does finish inside school holidays. I don't think that's done that for the for the last five years. Has that been a, a bit of a push from the playing group that they think that the season has been too long? Oh, look, I, I think there's no doubt. Um, you know, with the, with the season going outside of the school holidays, it, it takes a toll on the fans as well. Um you know, we, we want as many people as possible to come to the games and we're, when kids and parents, um, you know, when it's been made a little bit more difficult for them, then obviously it takes a toll on them as well. Um, but, you know, having said that, we've got five matches in the peak holiday period, which mm. is really, really exciting. Um, we love having everyone there and as many people at Optus as possible. So to have five games in the holidays... Um, you know, that, that's really that's really big for us. It certainly is. And now we are in this COVID-crazy world and we're seeing how it's affecting all the other sporting codes at the moment, AFL, Rugby League, Netball, and a, a whole range of other sports, of course. Um, it has affected cricket in the past. Fingers crossed by the time Big Bash 11 BBL comes around in December, um, things are a little bit back to normal. Do you just have to adjust? Are you prepared to adjust? Do you think the playing group's prepared to adjust? You're going to have a enough foresight to, to know to be ready if you have to hub it up. And I know we are talking still some time away, but, hey, who knows how long a piece of string is at the moment with COVID. Yeah, exactly. I think the beauty of it now, or if we're taking any sort of positive out of, you know, hubbing, I think is that a lot of our guys have experienced already, so or experienced that hub life already. So I think, you know, if it does come down to that, then I think everyone would be prepared to do it again. Mm. Um, I think, you know, with that experience of, Dunning, you know, having done it before, um, everyone will be better equipped to, to sort of live that lifestyle again. But like you said, hopefully everything's all good and under control by then and we can sort of have as much of a normal season as possible. Jai Richardson, our guest on Sporting Goss on this Thursday, talking about the BBL 11 fixtures and all other things, of course, cricket. Have you been keeping an eye on the boys in the West Indies? It's been tough going with a really a, a, a team of for the best part, an inexperienced group in regards to playing together. It is a very much a new look Australian uh, T20 team. Have you been watching the the progress of the the boys in the Windies? I have. I've actually got it on at the moment, um, which is nice to see. I think, you know, like you said, a little bit inexperienced, but the beauty of that is, you know, with the World Cup coming up, um, it, it gives a really good opportunity for a few of the younger guys coming through to get a taste of international cricket and what it's going to be like. Um, in the future for them. So I think, you know, whilst we, we obviously haven't performed as well as we would have liked, I think, again, if we're taking positives out of it, it's a good opportunity for a few guys to sort of step up and, and show what they're made of for this upcoming World Cup. Yeah, very much so. Uh, players that are sort of like in the – it's going to be interesting, isn't it, with the BBL because it's going to be around the the, the Ashes time. It's There's going to be a lot of international cricket going on. There's double headers. It, it's almost like you've, you don't know where to look, but it's certainly going to be wall-to-wall cricket. It's going to be a balancing act, isn't it, for some players, for the selectors, for Justin Langer. It's going to be a really interesting landscape uh, come uh, sort of Christmas time, New Year. Yeah, no doubt. It's obviously going to be quite a bit of a headache, but I think it's going to be a, a good headache to have for the selectors in JL and, and all of those guys. I think we've got such a class group of players at the moment. I think wherever you look, um, we're going to be doing okay, whether or not people are playing in the Big Bash, in the World Cup, in the Ashes. I think regardless of what way they decide to go, I think we've got all the players in the program at the moment to 
really step up and give whatever competition it is a, a red hot crack and do well. So I think, you know, again, that's the beauty of, of having all of these guys over there at the moment, um, really pushing their hand at, at trying to get in those squads. Joy, you came back from the IPL, so now you have to restart. So you probably psychologically, uh, probably physically looked after yourself in the last couple of months. Where's your focus? I mean, I know you would say, okay, my focus predominantly is on Western Australia and what I can do for WA and the rest follows, and that's a that's a probably the, the most common thread and tail. What do you want to achieve in the next stage of your cricket career? Oh, look, I think getting back to test cricket um, would be the ultimate goal, I think. With my shoulder, um, you know, having a lot of trouble with that over the last 18 months to two years, I think getting back to test cricket um, would be the ultimate goal for me. So obviously looking forward to the Ashes um, would be great. I think, you know, when, when I was lucky enough to make my test debut, I felt like I was probably at my peak performance then. Um, so if I can get anywhere close to to getting back to that sort of um, form, I guess, then that's, that's the the ultimate goal for me, the long-term goal. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, concentrating on what's happening at home at the moment is, is the most important. But yeah, I think Test Cricket beyond that. How's your pre-season going down at the WAC? I know there's been a, a couple of weeks in. It's all about putting some miles in the legs and slowly but surely blokes pick up the bat and roll the arm over. W- w- what stage is Jai Richardson at? Yeah, so doing actually uh, really well. So back, you know, everyone's back to bowling. Unfortunately, the weather hasn't really been on our side, so it's been a, a pre-season of flexibility and making sure that we're you know, flexible on where we're going to be and where we're training and things like that. But putting that aside, it's been really good. The guys are going really well. Um, no hiccups so far, which is always a good sign this early in pre-season. Everyone's, everyone's really enjoying it, loving being around the guys again. Um, you know, it's nice to keep busy as well and sort of get the body up and running again. There's big decisions to be made by a lot of blokes who were at the IPL which when it uh, stopped and, and blokes came back for various reasons. Do you envisage going back to if it was restarted? Have you made that decision in your own mind? I haven't I haven't actually made that decision yet. Um, I think for me it's just about making sure that I'm, I'm sort of using this period as wisely as possible to refresh, especially with the amount of cricket coming up. So mm. it hasn't really been at the forefront of my mind just yet, but no doubt there'll be a few conversations around that and, and what it looks like and, and what's next for me. So at the moment, it's just about making sure that I'm ready to go again, regardless of when that's going to be. Um, and sort of, yeah, like I said, use this time as, as well as possible to refresh and make sure I'm ready for, for the abundance of cricket coming up. Yes, yeah, so much. And you're, you're really at the forefront of all three versions of it, which is exciting for you um, as well. Do you seek counsel from outside mentors and influencers or family or friends, or do you just rely on the conversations you have with Cricket Australia, JL and, you know, and the selection committee? I mean, who, who does Jai Richardson go to to probably you have to make the final decision, but who do you listen to the most in that situation? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the selectors in jail have a massive part of, of what, you know, my sort of cricketing career looks like. So I sort of, you know, uh, rely on them to give me the advice that I need and, and make sure that I'm doing the right thing um, for myself and, and for, you know, cricket in general. So they're, they're probably the guys that I lean on the most. Obviously having a really good relationship with JL previously, um, with the WA squad, he's 
quite an easy person to approach and, and sort of go to mm. um, with these sorts of things. So that's been really handy. Um, you know, even just, you know, checking in and, and stuff like that. He's really good like that as well. Um, so he's probably the one that I lean on the most. Yeah, he's outstanding in that regard. Um when you're doing pre-season with WA um, and you're saying you're, you're back bowling and you know, we look out the window now and the conditions aren't ideal, but when you're, you're in full net power and the like, are you, are you bowling – Do you are you conscious of the shoulder? You, we've touched on it. You've touched on it in regards to how much it sort of was to get back and we saw you in the field where you weren't sort of throwing and you, you know, you're a beautiful fieldsman at the best of times and you, have to, you almost had to contain yourself a little bit in regards to what you could do with that shoulder and you were basically – um, holding it for bowling, did it start to wear and tear on you a little bit? And where are you now? If I said to you, Jai, where are you at in the level of percentage of fitness with that shoulder? Where would that be? Oh, look, bowling's absolutely no issue. Um, early on in the in that season last year, you know there were a few instances, you know, still pulling up a little bit sore and, and things like that. But that sort of progressed the more load that I got into my shoulder. So mm. the, the more that I played, the better it pulled up. Um, and now bowling, absolutely no issue. I would say bowling 100%. A um, couple of, you know, besides the point of, of a couple of technical things that I'm still working on and, and things like that, um, I'd say pace and, and variation pretty close to normal. Um, throwing still the one thing that's that's going to take the longest, um, just with the nature of, of the repair that mm. was done and, and things like that. Um, throwing is going to be the longest. I had a, had a really good session yesterday, actually, um, with the crash mats out on the wacker doing a diving session. And that's something that I'm sort of focusing on in the next little bit to, to get right, to make sure that I'm diving properly with the proper technique and protecting my shoulders. So that's another thing that's high on the priority list is to try and become more mobile again in the field and not have to worry um, too much. But throwing, like you know, whilst it's still the last thing to come back, um, is definitely progressing and still having an upwards trend. So that's, that's still really positive. Two other things. How much work do you put into your batting? Batting is important, in particular, in, I mean, in all forms, but the short form where you, you relied on to get some lusty hitting and you've been able to do that at various times. Do you work hard on your batting? Or if you were to break down percentages, I know where the dollars and cents come in your pocket, and that's from being the, one of the fastest bowlers and one of the most uh, uh, dangerous bowlers on a world level. So bowling's your, your sort of in the main part of what you do in your ingredients of being a cricketer. How much work do you do on your batting? Batting and, and are you preparing to work harder on it and, and have a, a different impact in, in regards to the big big bash going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, batting's, again, high on the priority list. Um, we often see how important it is to, to try and get those last-minute runs um, later in the innings. You know, games can often be won and lost just by the tail getting a, a couple of extra runs at the mm, end there. So mm. it's certainly important, and that's a focus that we've had on in the WA squad even in these last few weeks, um, is making sure that all of our bowlers get a really good workload in with their batting and making sure that they're working on specific things um, to get better because we understand the importance of, of those late runs at the end. Um, they can certainly be the difference between winning and losing. Joy Richardson, last one for you. Uh, a very simple question for you. How are you? How are how is Joy Richardson right now? I, I'm I'm actually doing okay. Um, I'm enjoying some time at home. Um, you know, obviously we we were stripped of um, time at home for a little while there with the bubbles and and being in India and getting stuck overseas. But certainly enjoying some time at home now. Spending 
a lot of time with family, um, which is something that we don't often get. Um, so yeah, like I said before, just using this time to the best of my best of my ability to refresh. But yeah, doing okay, and, and yeah, just. Yeah, really enjoying being home for now. Good on you, mate. Well, I can assure you, you do sound up and about, and that is really refreshing to to hear, to listen to, and it's great that you're, you're getting your teeth into being at home, getting your teeth into pre-season. We look forward to seeing you in action in all forms, in particular, of course, for us on a personal point of view in regards to the Scorchers. We'll see you in action, of course, in Orange, which is fantastic. We'd love the Scorchers to return to be the peak of their powers, and you're a big part of that. The Ashes, whether it's the IPL, whether it's the T20 World Cup, whatever it may be, let's hope Joe Richardson's at the top of his game and, and taking wickets and, as you just mentioned there, making a few runs when required. Thanks for joining us on Sports. Morning, Goss. Great chat, and uh, uh, may the preseason continue to be a good one for you. No worries. Thank you for having me. Good on you. There's Jai Richardson from WAE Cricket, Australian Cricket. He is one of the best in the business. Great to hear him up and about. This is Thursday's edition of the Sporting Goss. Five for 161. West Indies chasing 190. They have got 10 balls to make 29. And before you say it can't happen... Dre Russ is at the crease. He's hit two big sixes. Mitch Marsh with three for 24. Adam Zampa, two for 20. Coming up after 11 o'clock, Joe Bright here from the Fremantle Dockers. They have tonight's game with Geelong. Riley Morgan, the life of Riley. Get your pen and paper ready for winners today at Northam and Saturday. And, of course, your calls. This is Sporting Goss. Stay with us an hour to go. And just when you thought Australia was going to win game four of the T20, uh, I'm going to read you the commentary on Crick Info. So with two overs to go, they need 36 to win, the West Indies. First ball of the 19th over, Riley Meredith has been brought into the attack and it reads, this is an interesting call, Meredith for the 19th over ahead of Berendorf. I can now tell you that this is how it's played out. Meredith to Russell, six. Now looking at the last ball, I'll just look at the last ball of that over. He's just bowled a wall, almost a wide. All righty. Just quickly as we go through, I think there might be a wicket. I think Allen is out. He is caught behind. But this is how the over has played out. The 19th over, Meredith to Russell, six. A low full toss outside off goes to the boundary for six. Second ball, Meredith to Russell, Yorker, swings inside edge, Russell's annoyed, one run. Meredith to Allen, six runs, huge, six more. Fourth ball of the over, this is even bigger. Oh, boy, what a display. I'm reading the commentary on the quick info. Meredith, another six. Fifth ball of the over, that's three in a row onto the grass banks. What an innings from Allen. Who needs Andre Russell? And a wicket, Fabian Allen caught Wade Bold Meredith, 29. He hit three sixes, two fours. Um, of 14 balls at a strike rate. So with one over to go, in that last over, Meredith's over, he got one for 25. He bowled four overs, one for 57. Dre Russ is on strike and new batsman at the crease. So I think it might be Mitchell Stark about to bowl. Hayden Walsh Jr. is at the crease as we speak. We'll get a breakaway if we can, because we can come back or no, we might be going to our next guest. I think we might be going to our next guest. So 
This is the last over. So at the moment, yes, it is Mitchell Stark. The West Indies need 11 to win off six balls after needing 36 off 12. But an over that reaped them four sixes, a single and a wicket. The West Indies, oh six for one. Yes, 179. Joe Bride, he is not far away, of course, head of football, the Dockers' GM of football, as in comes Stark, and that is a dot ball. Hit Russell on the pads, so that's a win. So they now need 11 off five. Big game tonight. Don't forget, you can hear all the action, the preview at 5 o'clock on all the platforms of SEN. And if you're coming to the ground, the SEN Stadium Caller, look forward to that with Paul Hazelby. Play-by-play, no delay, stats, any breaking news, injury updates, the whole lot, and the trends of the game. And don't forget, you download the SEN app, and the Stadium Call will pop up about 20 minutes before the opening bounce. Mitchell Stark, second ball of the over to Andre Russell and just the one. So I've been a pretty good over from Mitchell Stark so far. Joe Bridey is the Dockers' head of football. He joins us right here, right now on the Sporting Goss. Exciting time for you, uh, Joe. Of course, going into a game tonight. We're looking forward to the action against a very good team, Geelong. Yeah, thanks for having me, Goss. It is a really exciting night for the club. Um, great to get the opportunity in Thursday night football and obviously a, a really strong team in Geelong. So fantastic to be back in front of our fans at the... Uh, Starlight Purple Haze game. Yeah, Purple Haze game, Starlight Foundation. I, I arrived here this morning to do this show here at the stadium, of course, and I've seen some of the uh, the LED lighting around the ground. It's fantastic, and um, it is such a special game, of course, to be had, and people can make their contribution when they come to the venue. Fingers crossed the weather moves through and we don't have too much bad weather. With that said, I know it's a hard question for you to answer, Joe. Are you a good wet weather team, do you think? Yeah, look, it's, it's probably something that we're continuing to work on, uh, really in the, in the wet weather and, and controlling field position and in the contest. It's something we've been really working on. Really talented inside mid-team. Um, Sean Darcy's obviously goes to work around the contest and his work, and we know well, uh, Nat Fife and Dave Mundy do around the stoppages as well. So, look, if the weather does settle in, that'll mean probably more stoppages around the ground, and, uh, and the battle of the contest is going to be really important. So we really trust our, our mids in that space especially and then really want to control ground position if that's the case and give our forwards as many opportunities as possible. Quick ball movement. Everyone that I hear and see, and I'm no coach and, uh, and well, you're not either, but you, you know how your team plays. Joe Bridey from the Fremantle Football Club is with us. Quick ball movement can stifle Geelong set up behind the ball. Tom Stewart and a couple of other of their key defenders. Would that be a bit of the message to the to players? If you can, albeit the conditions might not be conducive to quick ball movement and, and skills, to get it in quick? Yeah, look, it depends on a number of things. It's probably the momentum in the game as well and who's controlling that and who's controlling the ball. Um, Geelong like to obviously control themselves and the way they move the footy and and really um, control the, the shape of the ground and, and how they access their own forwards. So from our perspective, it's probably at the right time going quick when we get the opportunities and getting the ball in deep, but also at the right times from a momentum perspective, making sure we can control the footy as well. So... It's something that our players are continuing to grow and improve on is knowing the, the right situation in game to, to approach it in the right way. But obviously, from a forward perspective, getting the ball in there as quick as possible gives them a better opportunity one out. And we do know that Geelong's uh, defenders like to roll off and get back and support. So it is going to be something important tonight, that's for sure. 
You've made one change to the team so far. Ethan Hughes back in the team replacing Brandon Walker, who's being, quote, managed. Um, will Brandon Walker play Waffle on Sunday? Still working through that, obviously. We, we can finalise our, our Waffle squad tomorrow after tonight's fixture. So um, we'll look to finalise that. It's obviously something from our perspective to look to give Brandon an opportunity to rest up as a first-year player, having come into the AFL and, and been pretty good, to be honest. So he's obviously a, unlucky in that sense to uh, miss out, but we bring back a, a really important leader within our group and Ethan Hughes and how he goes about it. Um, and we know how strong he is in the contest and putting his body on the line for the team. So um, it's great to have Hughesy back, but we'll work through what our Waffle uh, team looks like. Tell us a bit about the journey back for Ethan Hughes. Been out for a while now. That uh, that journey to get him back, and as you mentioned, he was in pretty good form at the time. And I think these type of conditions, if they are wet and a bit windy, uh, he's a big body defender, and he can get through that midfield as well. He'd be almost perfect in the conditions. Yeah, and that's a little bit of the reason for him coming back. We just know what he brings. He puts his heart and soul into it, and puts his body on the line for the team. And and really never say die attitude in the way he goes about it and his head over the ball and, and strong in the contest. So he, he gives our uh, our backs a real confidence and we've had some actually an opportunity over the last few weeks to get that back seven really settled, which has been important for them because there's been a number of different changes. So that probably just gives us some more stability with that back line. He's very experienced and had a, a fantastic start to the season, Uzi. So um, we know what he brings and we're fantastic to have him back in the team tonight. There's just the continual progression of, of Sean Darcy. I mean, I, I was on the record of saying I, I genuinely, 12 months ago, and I know big men take a lot longer, and I should know that being six foot seven myself, uh, take a lot longer to, to flourish in life, and in particular in the footy field, Joe, and he's, and he's done so, and he just gets better each and every week, and he probably holds the key. I know that you don't want to just place it on the shoulders of one young ruckman who's still in the infancy of his career, but... Geelong's weakness is their lack of continu- uh, uh, continuous ruck power and domination. They've got a great midfield, but they do that on the back of probably not ruck domination from Radagalia and, and also Reece Stanley. You get the ball going your way. His follow-up is outstanding. His aggression around the ground. I mean, are you, are you, are you at any stage surprised of his quick progression from 12 months ago to now? It obviously seems like it's been a surprise by uh, the public, I guess, in the last month or so and how Sean's gone, come on. But really, from our perspective, is the way he goes about it, especially in the last two years, his ability to prepare, his ability to want to get better, the amount of work he does with Aaron Sandlands off the field in improving his, his ruck craft. Um, he's the first person in the door in the mornings in terms of his recovery and prep. So um, Sean's just got a real strong attitude to being the best rucky and obviously player that he can be across his career. And we're seeing that come to fruition. I think it obviously helps as well that the group that are working together, there's a really good um, continuity with that that midfield group and they're working closely together and obviously they help each other out around the ground. Um, Rory Lobb obviously can pinch it in the ruck, which enables Sean to go forward and, and obviously be a marking target as well. So from our perspective, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see the way that Sean's playing and the impact he's having in games. Um, and we, we want that to continue. Um, we think he's got plenty of room for growth uh, moving forward as well. So it's definitely an exciting time for the club to have um, a young developing ruck coming through and the impact that Sean's having on the field. You talk about Aaron Sandlands. Can you give the listeners a perspective of how much time Aaron spends down there and uh, you know when he's out on the, on the park? How often do we see him down at training? Yeah, he's down at the club one day a week, um, spied, and... and Really, that day is our main training day. So he's out in the track working with uh, Lloyd Meek and, and Sean, as I said, and, and really giving the players an understanding of 
um, a number of different aspects, positioning around the ground, obviously their ruck craft, the, the opposition they're coming up against and going through the vision of the opposing ruck that's coming up that week and discussing how they might combat the strengths of that ruckman um, and really just um, just a voice and a shoulder to lean on. He's a great listener, Aaron, and, and the way he goes about the genuine care. Sean actually moved into Aaron's house when he first arrived at the club and Aaron was still staying and, and Aaron was still playing. So there's a really strong connection between the two of them, a lot of trust. Um, and obviously they can have hard conversations when they need to as well. So it's great to have a person of, of obviously Aaron's experience still engaged with the club uh, one day a week. And he's there on match day as well and sits on the bench to help the guys out when they come off. We know you've got to concentrate on tonight's game. Joe Bridey, the general manager of footy of Fremantle, is with us. You've already got to concentrate on the game, one game at a time, a very common cliche, but it's true. Um, have you had any discussion as a football department, probably not wanting to burden the playing group right now with what happens after tonight's fixture, but the next game, where, when, why and how and and possible hub life, possible games coming here. It's all a bit crazy with what's happening in Melbourne and Sydney right now. There's even cases in Queensland. Adelaide looks like a clear pass. Adelaide, uh, Tassie's probably shutting it down at the moment. Um, as a footy club, have you had any emergency meetings of the last uh, 12, 14 hours in regards to what now after tonight? Yeah, look, your comment about anything's possible is exactly right. Day by day at the moment in the AFL industry, um, it's not something we've been speaking with the players in the football department about, obviously working with with Justin and Peter and, and Simon Garlic in terms of high-level discussions about the potentials. Um, but really, we're, as you said, really focused on tonight and that's our first and foremost priority. But in, in the back of our minds, we're having discussions with obviously the AFL and um, WA authorities about what the potential may look like over the coming um, week with what's happening on the East Coast. And obviously, we're scheduled to play Sydney was in Melbourne. So we're just working through those things. But for now, it's a priority to, to get through tonight and have a really strong performance. And then we'll look to, to next week, tomorrow. And um, as I said, those things can change every day um, and how, how they progress. So um, really, the health and safety of, of everyone in the community, but also our players and staff and their well-being will be our first and foremost priority. It is. What's your vibe? Uh, you would have seen the, the, the ground conditions on Monday night. As Oscar Allen was doing the podcast yesterday for the Eagles and said they warmed up uh, out on the ground. They could see the weather coming. The ground was in great shape. And even Paul Hazelby mentioned in the call how great the ground looked, having not had much footy on it. Didn't take long for that to change. It came down, albeit it drains pretty quick. Um, what's your direction to the playing group pre-game in regards to getting used to the conditions? Yeah, it's probably just saying from a mindset perspective that obviously Justin will talk to the players about to be ready for whatever that may look like. Actually, we speak with Optus Stadium quite a bit and they were just talking through the fact that there were some significant downpours only 10 minutes before the game. So I think at the start of the game, it obviously did look like there was a fair bit of water on the field. But as you mentioned, Goss, it does drain really well. So I'm not too sure that there's a significant amount of rain due this afternoon. Um, but it is saying that we from a mindset perspective, prepare our players for if, if that does happen. But um, as you said, the, the ground and the um, surface at Optus is, is fantastic and um, drains really well. So it's not something that we're um, really discussing in too great a detail. The cards fell your way with a couple of the results in regards to staying in the eight. Um, you can only win games and control your destiny by the four premiership points you get. Last one. The fans are up and about. You're above the Eagles. Everyone's now thinking finals. Players are even at least touching on finals. Even your captain is not afraid to mention that's the objective. It's clearly the objective inside the group, and you're in a position to do that. Are you keeping a lid on it, or do you want to just 
get out and about and get up while your form's good and things are going your way. Yeah, you mentioned over the weekend there were some results that probably people weren't expecting. It's something that we need to be cognizant of in terms of preparing for each week and prioritising how we want to play. Um, the upcoming opponent, we've got some big games ahead of us and it starts with Geelong tonight. So but that's our first and foremost priority and discussion internally. But um, as you mentioned, it is something that we want to be. We want to be a finals football club and haven't been there for a few years. So it's, uh, it's driving our group to achieve success. Um, it's something that's driving us internally to... Um, create the best environment possible as we can as a football department, a football program, and, and give our fans uh, and members uh, what they deserve in terms of those opportunities um, in the finals. So, look, as I said, we'll start tonight with our game against Geelong, but it's in front of us, and, and we're really excited about the opportunities that provides us with the potential of playing finals. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Have a good afternoon. Have a good build-up. Have a great game, and let's hope Fremantle will get the job done and continue to stay uh, in the top eight, of course, with uh, the rounds running out and uh, whatever the journey happens from here on in, we'll chat to you, I'm sure, uh, going ahead for the Sporting Goss. Thanks for joining us again on Game Day. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Tim. Good on you. There's Joe Bridey, General Manager of Football at Fremantle. And they're up and about, and deservedly so. They've been terrific, Fremantle. And, and Joe, of course, uh, is uh, at the sort of the, the football club coalface of, of how things go on and off the field, and he's sort of the link to the playing group and the coaching staff as well. And he's always kind enough to join us, Joe Bridey from the Fremantle Football Club. Australia won. Six for 189, have defeated the West Indies by four runs. Mitchell Stark bowled the last over, and Andre Russell decided to hog the strike. It didn't work. He got a six off the last ball. In the end, the Australians have won by four runs after Riley Meredith gave up 25 runs in the previous over. So great news. Australia on the board in the T20 series in the West Indies. Yeah, baby. All right. Mitch Marsh, man of the match, one would think, or might be Mitchell Stark's last over because... It was outstanding. A breakaway, get your pen and paper ready. Not too far away, Riley Morgan, the life of Riley. He's looking at the Belmont races Saturday. He's in rare form. He's even got a winner or two for Northam coming up this afternoon. This is the Sporting Goss. Ah, it's that time of day, the life of Riley time. Riley Morgan keeps an eye on our races for Saturday, Belmont Park. He might even have a winner for us this afternoon at Northam. He joins us now in a bit of form too, may I say. Morgs, welcome to the show. Thanks, Goss. It was, uh, it was nice to get on the board last week <laughs> after a bit of a slow start the week before. So it was a bit of relief, mate, bit of relief. All righty, let's get straight into it. We know we're, you're busy, we're busy, and the world just wants to find a winner. Always gamble responsibly. We're looking at Belmont Park. Let's go to race one. You, you like uh, Forever Autumn? There's a bit of value as well. There's a horse on Debu, uh, not secret, of course. Yeah, I'm actually pretty keen on Forever Autumn here for Trevor Andrews. Um, Last start, went around over the 1,000, finished fifth, 3.1 lengths behind Storm Commander, who is the favourite here, who he meets again. That may read poorly on paper, but that day he drew very awkwardly, was caught extremely wide early trying to find a spot and stayed caught out there for the remainder of the race. Despite the run, he really rattled home late into fifth and actually ran the second fastest last 200 metre split of the entire meeting, which is quite impressive for a two-year-old. Here, he's drawn in two for CJP, he jumps pretty well and should be able to land leaders back and get the run of the race. 
and up to a much more suitable 1,200 metres, I'm pretty keen on his chances and confident that he can turn the tables on the favourite. Mm, currently around $5 each way. So that's race one, number five, Forever Autumn. Spoke to Sean McGrady on the show. He tipped us a winner yesterday. She's a real deal. Uh, yesterday on Sporting Goss. He did allude to a horse called Not Secret, but he didn't overcook it. But when you have a look at its trial form and... Uh, who it beat in that trial, um, we'd go back to last Saturday and it's a ray day. So there's some good form through that. Yeah, it was pretty, could turn out to be a pretty hot little trial, that one there. And it's probably the main danger for mine here. I've heard that uh, Steve Wolf has quite the opinion of him too. So drawn nicely in four, can take up a pretty prominent spot. I just reckon the soft seven, heavy eight track on debut might be the testing material. Alrighty, so there it is. Forever Autumn, not secret, race one at Belmont. We skip races two, three, four and five. We get down towards the quaddy end of the meeting and you go to race six on the program. What do you like here? I see Craig Staples is the new rider for Fura for Deborah Lewis. Well, I actually hadn't taken that into account yet, so that must have been a pretty recent change because up until last night, Mitch Pavement was still on. But... um. In saying that, there was a still clear top two for me in the race, and they're both looking around the favourite here, true attraction as well. So, Fura's a pretty tough, gutsy horse on his day, and his 1,000-metre trial on the 13th of July, given the heavy conditions, was as impressive as they get, in my opinion. I thought it was a fairly long layoff away from the races. He's an absolute mudder. He's had four starts on the rain-affected tracks for three wins, and they weren't just wins, they were absolute spankings. And as previously touched on, his recent trial was super on a heavy track. He finds a very favourable map where I had Mitch Bateman written down as the, as the jockey, but Craig Staples still should be able to cruise to the top and dictate proceedings here. Um, I know the, the new trainer has quite the opinion of the horse, buying it from Darren McAuliffe, but mm. off his trial, he seems to have settled in with her pretty well. And the universal ruler crop absolutely love the slot, and this guy's no exception and pretty keen. He can go very close here on resumption. Now, a question without notice for you. Is that Deborah Lewis, the Deborah Lewis from the Harness Racing, Chris Lewis's wife? Yes, it is. Yes, I believe so. So I believe she's a um, she's a hobby trainer who's just started to get into the thoroughbred mm. as um, sort of expanding away from the trotters. Okay, currently five dollars fifty. Craig Staples is the new rider. Not too sure on that. We might just want to do some bad backtracking on whether Mitch Pateman's just taken a break or whether he got time or can't make the fifty-five. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. But you do like the Stephanie Backrinich yard. You're a big fan, and they've got playing Marika in that race. And uh, what do you make of that? I was pretty disappointed to see her scratched last week on the seven-day backup when we wanted to be with her. But this is, although this is technically up in grade, this race is arguably easier. She gets in half a kilo off the minimum, is going super, and finds a field where the vast majority have huge question marks over their credentials, especially on a very wet track. Mm. I think Lucy can just slot her in somewhere midfield, get up and rolling early as she does, and put her right into the race. And in a race where the favourite's $3, I've got a clear top two around it. Yeah, nice work. So Fura and playing Marika for our man, Life of Riley Morgan. In race eight on the program, you go back with the power group, of course, William Pike for Grant and Alana Williams. You do like one here in, in real grace. Yeah, I thought we'd see something mid to low twos for real grace, honestly, when prices went up this morning. But at the current $3.10, mm. she just has to be a bet for me, really. It was a hard run to miss last start. She was held up badly once they straightened, while the well-backed stable mate had all the momentum. But once she got out, she powered straight past him. If she got out earlier, I'm pretty confident she would have won that race. Being out of I Am Invincible, the really wet track should be to her liking. And I'm anticipating Pike loves her just worse than midfield with cover. 
and gets her out to the middle of the track out of any trouble into clear air. And at the current price of $3.10, I'm happy to get involved anything $3 plus here. Alrighty then, so uh, there it is, nice little tip there for Real Grace. And in race nine on the program, you're taking on the favourite of Kent. You found, found us a bit of value. Yeah, I was anticipating the Spruker to go up unequivocally short this morning, and she has. And given there's two clear on top this year, I'm going to side with the better value of the two in Aberdeen Queen. She's been given absolutely none at her last two starts, and we've seen that she can still be effective settling closer to the speed previously in her career. In an ideal world, Chris rolls forward and tries to tuck in from the gate, given there isn't a whole heap of speed engaged here. But even so, worst case, they choose to go back. And by this time of the day, after eight races already being run on a really wet track, those running down the middle, wider sort of parts of the track, it might be the place to be. She's a Sessions mare, so she's going to thrive in the slop and think if Chris can navigate a route to go to the best part of the track by this stage of the day, and she isn't spotting the spruker many lengths, she can be the one out sprinting him. All righty. So let's go through those again. So we're on race one, Forever Autumn, the value, not secret on Debu is the danger, no doubt. We skipped to race six, Fura playing Marika. We're playing around with those two, of course. In race eight, you're looking for the value. You're happy with the 310 on offer at the moment. Always gamble responsibly, real grace. And race nine, Aberdeen Queen in the last for our man, Life of Riley. All right, uh, we are racing at Northern today. They don't normally get the weather that we get. Uh, what do you make of a couple of winners for us today? Yeah, no real value today, but I'm quite bullish on the chances of a couple on the card. I think Campisi fresh for the Michael Wayne-Chris Parnham combination in race six. is going to run a really big race for first up in WA and looks very hard to beat. And also siding with the Mayor of Subiaco in the last, Simon Miller, with his first up, Keep Your Feet, should be running really well too and going very close. All righty there. So uh, Campisi in race six. And, yes, the Mayor of Subi, Simon Miller, uh, of course, with Keep Your Feet in the last out of your best for Saturday and the early look, uh, obviously weather dependent starting uh, uh, and the fields and how they go, if you were to pull one out off the page for our listeners and your vast growing audience here on the Sporting Goss, which horse is it? My best for Saturday would be Forever Autumn in the opener. Get off to a flyer, hopefully. Nice work, Forever Autumn in the first race one. Great way to start the day. Nice work, Riley. Uh, chat, where are you playing footy this weekend? We're down in Mandarin, mate. We're making the trek down to Peel on Sunday for a Sunday game. So we've got Sunday to put the feet up on the couch and enjoy the racing. Good good, good dogs, mate. Appreciate your time today and we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Goss. He's Cheers, a mate. good man, Riley Morgan. He's a part of the sporting Goss. He reads the form better than most. He's got a very big audience. He's got a lot of haters out there too, but I think he thrives. He's a polarising man when it comes to the tip, but I like him a lot. He's a good part of what we do. That was Life of Riley on the sporting Goss. Goes for four, but too little, too late. Take a bow, Mitchell Sark. What an exceptional last over his bowl for Australia. And finally, Australia seal a win in the series. Certainly was an exceptional over. Who would have thought that Andre Russell on strike couldn't manage to get that 11 runs required for a West Indies victory? But kudos must be given to Michelle Stark. He bowled a brilliant over. Even though he was struck for four of the final delivery, 
it didn't matter. It certainly was a brilliant over. Australia, six for 189. The West Indies, six for 185. A 4-1 run win to the Aussies. It was an outstanding last over. The second last over, not so flash. Poor old Riley Meredith took one for 25 in that over. And Andre Russell stayed on strike. He's been coming under some heavy social media criticism since that, where he didn't take any runs. He got too little too late. In the end, it was a brilliant last over from Mitchell Stark. It was a great game, too, from our man Mitch Marsh, who continues to have an outstanding series, albeit that was just the first win for Australia. Today, he made 75 uh, of 44 balls, four fours and a six. He took three wickets as well. He took three for 27. He took three for 24 of his four overs, and rightfully so, he was the man of the match unanimously decided to be Mitch Marsh. Mitch, first of all, many congratulations on a double career best with bat and with ball. Let's start with the batting first of all. Um, 75, a match-winning knock. You knew that you needed to get much more than just those two 50s than that first game, didn't you? Yeah, it's certainly something that we've spoken about and I think it's big um, having the responsibility of batting in the top three. Um, you know, stats suggest that if someone gets over 60, you win um, more than more than you lose, so um, that's something that we've spoken about. Um, someone going on with it, and uh, yeah, it was a great partnership with Finchie tonight. And you started off aggressively. Some good short bowling from um, Ocean Thomas. The conditions out there suited you? Um, yeah, I, I thought the new ball came on really well tonight. We saw that with both teams, so um, certainly saw that as an opportunity to try and get ahead early. Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, I've grown up at the Wacker, so uh, I love love fast bowling. But um, yeah, it was a bit of fun. And with the ball curve best, like I mentioned, a, a three for how was that? Uh, yeah, it was obviously, I think it was just um, a great all-round performance from, from all of our bowlers. Um, to defend what we defended tonight against the very good West Indies teams was a, a great performance and uh, it's always nice to uh, get a couple of wickets. And did you think that you guys got as many as you should have, 189? Were you satisfied with that? Um, I thought it was probably par, yeah, to be honest. Um, we know that um, the, the wickets sort of slowed up towards the back end of the innings for both teams, so it's been harder. But um, also with the West Indies, you never think that's enough. You know, with the, the guys that got that come in at the end there, um, thought it was a great finish and uh, Starkey's last over was excellent. Congrats once again, mate. Very well played. Thank you. 18 away from 12, here till 12. Don't forget tonight from 5 o'clock AFL Nation around the country and all the SEN platforms. And, of course, uh, SEN Spirit. We'll be taking the call of tonight's big game between the Fremantle Dockers and Geelong. And if you're coming to the stadium, make sure you download the SEN app, use the stadium Wi-Fi, and you'll get play-by-play, no delay, no buffer. We'll give you live stats, live scores, changes, phases, whatever you need. Paul Hayes will be best in the business. It is the Starlight Foundation Purple Hayes game as well. Wandering into the studio to talk a bit of hoops action now is Chris Clafunas. Goss, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, He's uh, had a game to remember. Massive block to come up clutch as well in the uh, final moments of the game against the Suns as Milwaukee tied up the series two games apiece. Oh, baby! Oh, baby, he's indeed. Obviously, he's obviously found that button. button <laughs> it's, it's a good button. So, fair enough. 26 points for <laughs> Antetokounmpo, 14 rebounds. What, 46? Sorry? How many points? 26. 26. 26. 26 points, 14 rebounds, yep. 8 assists. He yep. was on fire. Drew Holiday was also instrumental, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists in that one. What about his free throws, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo? I'm not too sure. I don't have the stats yeah. on his free throws. I'd like to know what his free throws are because that's his downside. Okay, I'll take they, a they, they They foul him as much as they do Ben Simmons because they know he can't shoot from the line. I've got the, the team stats, 24 from 29 free throws. So okay. they're at 82.8%. Right. 
there. Uh, so 109 to 103 in favour of the Bucks. Nice work. So to all. Thank you very much. There's Chris Clafunas in with a breaking sports update with us as well. And if you've just tuned in, Australia won game four of the T20 Mitch Marsh Man of the Match for 75 and three wickets. Jack Revolt plays game 300. Matthew Parker. You know, Matthew Parker, Matty Parker, played state footy this year for WA, got picked up in the mid-season rookie draft. He will make his Richmond debut tomorrow night as well. Well done to Matty, second go at the AFL, having formerly played for St Kilda. Special occasion, it's Jack Revolt's 300th game. He was a special guest this morning with Jared Whateley. He's very, very diligent in what he does. He's always challenged with regard to things that we want to try in our game plan. That's what we love about the guy. Um, that's what the very best players do. So there was a time, I think, early in his career, I was prepared to trade him for a six-pack of Furphy, but, you know, we move on pretty quickly from those. Would have traded him for a six-pack of Furphys, the loving words of Coach Damien Hardwick, and the milestone man himself is with us. Jack Revolt, welcome to SEN. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Jared. A nice little sneaky plug there for Furphy, who are a sponsor <laughs> of the football club. No doubt Dim is trying to angle at a free, free six-pack himself there, but... Uh, no, there's been a few little few little bumps over the journey, Jared, but hopefully most of it's been smooth sailing for me and Dimmer. <laughs> what? So can you have a laugh about those times now in retrospect? Uh, oh, look, they're still... I mean, obviously, they're... Um, I, I probably look at them as, as growth areas and growth moments of, of, of my career and even my personality as well and just... Who I am, and I've had some um, I've had some big ones and and some some really poignant ones in terms of uh, the passing of Maddie as well that have really changed my uh, changed me as a person. Um, and now I suppose that's life really. You, just, you you learn from the from the highs and the lows over over the journey, and you grow. And um, I like to think that um, the input that certainly Dimmer and Trenton and all the people down at the at the football club have had on my life have, have made me into the person I am today. Feels like these days have stirred a lot of stories. Have you enjoyed the experience so far? It's probably been the the, the one thing that I've enjoyed the most, actually, and um, um, just the the text messages and and the phone phone calls and and all the memories that have been sort of re-stirred up from from the bottom of my mind in terms of the things that have happened over the last fifteen years, and even previous to that, in terms of the journey even getting into the AFL and. Um, it's been it's been really special, um, and it's sort of, I mean, it's not sad that it, it has to wait until your Thrams game for all those those journeys to be remembered. But um, it'd be great if you could do it every week and just, and just be reminded of why why you love to play the game and, and how you, how you got here. It, things are getting complicated this morning. That that's really clear, Jack. Are you braced for maybe nobody being there for this for a momentous night in your career? Uh, oh, look, it's, um, yeah, obviously things are, are probably going to turn pretty quickly here in Melbourne and that's, that's disappointing, obviously, for the people in Melbourne. I mean, um, the, the, the game is the game and, and, and uh, crowds there or not, I'd probably lean to there probably won't be, but it's still, um, the whole week has been so amazing in terms of the stories I've spoke to you about, but I've been able to say thank you to people that have, that have helped me um, reflect I mean, I would love to have the Richmond faithful there on the weekend because they have been a massive part of, of, of me and uh, my life over the last 15 years and, and 300 games and to say thank you to them. But, I mean, if I get that chance, I'll be forever grateful. But if not, I'll just be enjoying it for, for what it is. And that's um, a, an important game of football for me, um, but, a, but a really important game of football for the club. In terms of family, uh, 
who's here and, and have people sort of made a big effort to, to get here? And is that sort of where your hope lies, that maybe the family will be able to be there? Yeah, I sort of hope that maybe there, there might be a few, a few little things around to be able to get my family in. So um, obviously um, my uh, I've got my, my wife and two daughters, um, Carly, Hazel, uh, Carly, Poppy and Hazel, sorry. Um, and then I've got two brothers that live here already and my parents have actually both retired recently um, and they've, they've planned to do the, um, I suppose, the, the nomad thing and go around Australia and, and follow the footy in a caravan. But that, that got kiboshed last year and then this year um, it's sort of been a bit tricky as well, but they they are in Melbourne, um, so yeah. So I will have some family here, which is which is really special, and of course Nick Nick and his family here as well. The cocky kid who told Mark Williams that he'd play three hundred games when you when you watch the vision of yourself back then, um, what are your what are your memories of that kid? What would he make of the actual three hundred game journey? Do you think? Uh, well, I've got cringe for starters because <laughs> um, I was fairly cocky. But um, no, I think that um, I think that the journey I lived was a um, it sort of made me AFL ready to to come in. And, and I like I did debut round one. I had to wait till round nine at Dreamtime the G to debut. But I mean, I, I played senior footy early on for my local football club, Clarence. And the the real pivotal year for me was my, my final year in Tasmania when I. Played in a premiership for Clarence in premiership, and I also um, played eight games for the VFL side. Uh, there was a line to North Melbourne, and developed a, a really close relationship with Jade Rawlings, who was in his final years at North, and, and he became my mentor. And um, those those little pieces of, of magic are the things that have, have got me over the line, and, and 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 sort of got me ready to play AFL from a from such an early age. Was it? Uh, is your memory of it that it was a a thrilling experience to come into the league and especially, I guess, as a, as a goal kicker? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I've been very lucky and, and that I'd, I'd sort of seen a little bit through, through Nick's lens what the AFL was like. But, um, I mean, it was, it was so exciting. And, I, and I'd sort of prepared myself to, to, to leave home and uh, and move from, from Tassie just due to the fact that there isn't a team down there and there wasn't really many options. So, to go to, to Richmond, it was only an hour flight away um, from my parents and and my family and, and Carly as well. So it was it was very special to go to such a such a big club. And um, it's funny you walk in the doors and 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 you know the, you know a few stars. I knew Richo, I knew Nathan Brown, I knew Joel Bowden, I knew Lid. But after that, I really didn't know know many many people um, know their names. So I sort of spent the first two weeks trying to figure out who's who. Um, and it can be a pretty daunting experience, but I mean, I've, I've always had Shane Edwards by my side, so we've sort of been partners in crime for, for 15 years now. The whole footy world will ride with you, I reckon, tomorrow night, Jack. So enjoy it. However it looks, uh, it's the momentous milestone in the game. Congratulations and thanks for your time. Thank you, Jared, and just thank you to, um, if, if the Tigers fans can't get along there, I just want to take the chance to say thank you to, to them for all their support over over the last 15 years for, for our club and um, know that truly that, 2017, 2019 and 2020 and the future um, premierships have, have been for the Richmond faithful and, and we've been lucky to be a part of that journey. So thank you. Five away from 12. Don't forget tonight from 5 o'clock AFL Nation, the preview of the Starlight Foundation Purple Haze game. Fremantle hosting Geelong here at Optus Stadium. And if you are in the stadium, download the SEN app and about 20 minutes prior 
to bounce at 10 past six. The app will appear, a little icon will appear on the SEN app and you tap on that and you will get play-by-play, no delay, no buffer call of the game between Fremantle and Geelong. Exclusive only to SEN listeners. Oh, boy. Has been revealed that Wildcat star John Mooney has signed with Chiba Jets in Japan. That is the latest exit. No surprise there. He was chasing big money in Europe and or a contract elsewhere. But my understanding is don't be surprised if John Mooney doesn't suit up for the Milwaukee Bucks in the Summer League. So that is uh, unofficial, but uh, keep an ear and an eye on that one. So John Mooney is departing the Perth Wildcats as well. No coach, no Mooney. A couple of others are going. It's going to be a new look Wildcats, but time for some change and time for some excitement and a new generation coming through with a new ownership, which has not been ticked off on yet. So for those people thinking that it's all to do with the new ownership of of SEN and the SEN group of the Perth Wildcats, just keep your powder dry there. uh, That group don't own the Wildcats just yet. They're involved in all the chats, but they don't officially own them. That has to be ticked off in a couple of weeks' time by the NBL. Old Bull Young Buck is a podcast done by David Mundy and also Griffin Logue. Tommy Sheridan, former teammate and ended up at the GWS Giants. He was a special guest. Of course, he's uh, got a little business enterprise going along, but he was very, very bullish on getting old Dave Mundy a new contract. He's got this message for Peter Bell. Did you, did you, is a special guest coming? No, no, he couldn't make it. Oh, Peter Bell couldn't make it. No. You got to new mate. <laughs> well, look, Peter, if you're listening, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to text you anymore. I apologise for the, the ten unanswered texts, mate. But look, mate, David deserves another year. I don't care. You guys sort the cash out. He needs a year. The boys want it. The fans want it. I'm speaking on behalf of all the fans. So, the men of the so people. Peter, Peter, give David Mundy an extension <laughs> on behalf of the whole community. Do not cut this out. I'm speaking on behalf of the whole community. I'm sorry to embarrass you, Dave. He wants another one. Give give the man what he wants. Well, he's going to get one. There's no doubt about that. And if he keeps playing like this this time next year, he'll get another one. Uh, Year by year, big coin. Hey, that completes what has been a very, very, very busy show. In fact, a bit of the stuff hit the cutting room floor, which we didn't get to. And... And uh, well done to Chris Clafunas back on the bike after having a day off yesterday. Thank you to Alex. I'm glad that your test has come back. Oh, clear! Play on, yes. Uh, tomorrow morning on Gillian Goss from 6 o'clock, I'll be in the studio. Buffett will be in lockdown at home because he went to the snow and now he has to do two weeks of home isolation. We are hoping to have tomorrow's show. The Open Championship starts this afternoon. A whole lot of uh, Australian golfers, including our very own Minwoo Lee, Ben Ever will be talking golf. Riley O'Brien from the Adelaide Crows will join us. We hope to speak to Mitch Marsh from the West Indies after his match-winning performance this morning. And we also are 99.9% guaranteed lock-it-in Nick Natanui ahead of his 200th game. Not a bad lineup. And then there's me, there's Gilly, and there's you, the listeners, and special K, Chris Clafunas and Alex pushing the buttons. Catch you tomorrow from six.